I have always been sensitive to things that no one else can see, hear, or feel. Shadows frequently appear in my peripheral vision, and less frequently apparitions appear directly to me. I hear things that no one else admits to hearing, especially late at night. I am sensitive to temperature and can feel other presences in the room that don't seem to affect anyone else. I've gotten used to these phenomena over the years, but there was one time that stands out. My junior high school was constructed in 1923 and is rumored to be built on a Native American burial ground, a claim very characteristic of southwestern Pennsylvania. There is a history of Native Americans in the area, and the story of Massa Harbison's capture and escape from the Seneca Indians is taught every year in my district's sophomore history class. As we all know, however, stories about these often misrepresented groups are just that, misrepresented. The halls of my old school were rife with stories about the building being haunted by Native American spirits. Many teachers that stayed after hours told stories of doors slamming, objects being moved, feeling as though they were being watched. I could never tell if these stories were the teachers just trying to scare us, or if they were actual experiences. Late one night, after the final performance of our spring play, my best friend and I were wandering the halls of the nearly vacant school building while the rest of the cast gathered in the gym for the party. Most of the gates preventing one from getting into certain parts of the building were up, so as we would reach one, we would turn around and walk until we hit another. We continued making circuits like this, having the deep conversations that 8th graders do, when all of a sudden I noticed movement on the other side of one of the gates, down the hall, outside of one of the classroom doors. As I said, there have been many times that I've caught movement or seen things that others haven't, but this time, my best friend could see it too. Curious, we stalled and watched. It appeared to be a shadow figure, not menacing, just there, kind of amorphous and dark. A quick glance at my friend confirmed that she was also seeing this. I started toward the gate, trying to determine the cause. Was there a teacher about in their classroom? If so, how had they gotten through the locked gate? Was it the shadow of a tree blowing in the breeze outside? No, there weren't any windows in that particular classroom. As we reached the gate, the movement ducked into the classroom, facing right through the closed door. Curiosity overcame me, and I whispered loudly, Wait! Come back! and reached a hand through the gate. My friend mirrored my movement, also reaching her hand through. We shared another glance as we waited for the figure to reappear. It did. The shadow came back through the door and reappeared in the hallway for a few brief seconds before fading into the darkness. My best friend and I still talk about this. We're still not sure exactly what we experienced that night twelve years ago. I continue to see things. It's gotten stronger as I get older. But nothing like this. Nothing where someone else has experienced it with me. We might never know what we saw that night, but I often wonder if anyone else has run into that mysterious shadowy figure. Hi, I'm Jamie Markey. And I'm Michael Tatum. I don't. I wasn't trying to imitate you. I was I just trying even... to give it some flair, like you do. I feel like I'm too laid back sometimes. Oh, I feel uh, like I'm laid back. You're 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 more animated than I. You're very laid back, but you're also just more animated. Well, more that's because I sound like I'm a cartoon character. 
You sound like a British. I just look like I want. You you just you sound like you are reading novels, and sound like I should be sitting in front of a fireplace with a smoking jacket on, teaching elocution. Some kind of ratter at my feet. Ratter? Terry, a little ratter. Oh, ratter. Sorry, I was like ratter. The ratter at my feet. Ratter? I barely know her. (laughs) And that's why I sound like a cartoon character. (laughs) Oh, and this is School Intentions. Hey, we got to it sooner than last time. I know, and you didn't have to remind me. I didn't. I'm so proud of you. Let's check that down. I'm at a total of two now. (laughs) (laughs) About out of 30 episodes. 30. Today is our 30th episode. That's right. And our title today is... What's our title? What's our title? Rarely pure and never simple. <gasps> That's from the importance of being earnest. Yep, you win this by game. By one of my favorite ever human mm-hmm. beings, Oscar Wilde. Oscar Wilde. Oscar <laughs> <laughs> Well, as he's called in his native Ireland, Oscar Wilde. Wilde. Uh-huh. It's wild with an E. That way you know he's like legit wild. Right, Yeah. right. It's, yeah. it's so wild, he doesn't even give a fuck about the number of vowels in his last name. That's true. That's how you know he's insane. That's right. Rarely uh, pure and never simple. Rarely pure which and never. Which was a response to, like, the truth is rarely the pure truth is and rarely never pure. simple. Yeah. I feel like that could be the title of every episode. So far, sure. yeah. Cause it's... We could change the name from Ghoul Intentions. <laughs> to <laughs> to <clears throat> the importance of being earnest while telling a ghost story. That's right. Um, <laughs> Damn it. That should have been our title. <laughs> Fuck. I mean, it just triples <laughs> off the tongue eventually. Yeah. Uh, eventually. <laughs> Once you get it. Ah. I, and you know, it's funny because Ghoul Intentions is based, the name is, is a play on Cruel Intentions, the movie. That's right. That is based on Dangerous, Dangerous Liaisons, Liaisons. That is based on a book that was written in French. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's guess what it's called in French? Les ondes dangereuses. They yeah. just reverse the words and mm-hmm. say it through cake. Um, Gosh, this is the best way to say anything. <laughs> it really, it's why the French are so cool. Um, <laughs> they just they're gonna eat those carbs. They don't give a shit. They're gonna walk them off. And um, <laughs> but the uh, uh, the the author Delaclos was uh, Delaclos was a his writing that book was an influence on Wilde and his generation. Because oh. it was a scandalous book was about scandal. scandalous things. And we love a scandal. Mm-hmm. Um, also, thank you, Paige, for that ghost story, our yes. cold open today. Very Paige. nicely done. It's a good name, Paige. Paige is a good name. Mm. Um, Want to hear more stories about things you see? Schools are cool, too. That, that whole... And I was... I'm so proud of you, Paige. You did what Michael said before he ever said it, which is to stay there and... Let your curiosity get to you. Yeah. Um, You you know, curiosity killed the cat, but the cat has nine lives, so it's fine. Yeah. I don't read. Show me somewhere where it says curiosity killed the ghost hunter. Doesn't happen. It doesn't. Well, I shouldn't say it doesn't happen. (laughs) Because now I've fucking done it. But, but, I mean, curiosity killed the cat, but that's the cat. You're not a cat. Nine lives. Not not in this life, anyway. Well, and it's, I wonder, (laughs) I can't help but think of it from the perspective of the shadow. Like, did that bitch just call me back? <laughs> Do bitch. I go back now? Do I? If I go back, am I doing what she says? Because she's in like eighth grade. <laughs> or am I curious? Yeah, I'll bite. I think the, the ghosts would probably want to be like, could you please tell people to stop blaming everything on Native American spirits? That'd be great. We get it, white folk. That'd be You're so guilty. And great. You're awesome. You should be. But 
<laughs> We've moved on. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, in a school, too, it's there's so many emotions and things that go through. Right. You know, right. you wonder what I mean, kind look, of Poltergeists often strike people that are going through puberty, like mm-hmm. young people. And so, like, think of all that energy. Think of just having a bunch of people going through puberty pinned into one oh, building. Gosh. Shit's gonna be haunted. All middle schools are haunted as fuck. Yes. That's what we were saying. It's a yes. fact. We've stated it. <laughs> <laughs> my, my mom taught, she taught high school for most of her career, but she taught middle school for like three years. Yeah. Uh, uh, long story, but she she just kind of moved to, to middle school for a little while to teach there and to take a break from high school. And uh, she had some strange experiences. Really? In the high school, uh, in the <gasps> middle school, which was, that. which was a middle, I went to that, uh, she taught, I never went to a school that she taught in while she was teaching except my last year of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but because she taught in a different town until she moved back home to right. teach here. But, um, but uh, I, I, she taught, the middle school where she taught for a couple of years when she took a break from teaching high school was this, the same middle school I had gone to. And mm. I remember kids saying, oh, yeah, there's like, there was a haunted bathroom that everyone said was really right. haunted. And there was this. And late, years later, when my mom taught there, she was like, oh, yeah, there's some weird stuff happened down there. But she won't yeah. talk about it because it's my mom. Yeah. So she's like, well, it was stuff happened, but it was probably just, I don't know. <laughs> she'll, she'll, she, she kind of just cast it off like, oh, I don't know. It was probably a ghost or something. <laughs> I'm it's like, whatever. that's that's how you're writing this off. Yeah, like, my mom a... was a teacher as well, mm-hmm. but she taught elementary school, mm. and I think the scariest things that happened there were just like weird parents. And then one time, one of her students uh, made me a mixtape, and I made was, made you a mixtape. A mixtape, yeah. I was probably four years older than him at the time, so at that age, it's it's significant. Uh, yeah. And, uh, on the mixtape was, we all know it, um, I want to sex you up. <laughs> what? Coming from a, um, a, a, uh-huh. what, wait, this elementary is an elementary, school an elementary school. Like fourth wow. grade, I think. Wow, they grow up so fast. Yeah. No, that was, he just didn't know what that song was. No, he didn't. Who and was? at the time, I thought it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> All the rest of the songs were great. I I really enjoyed it. It was really well, funny. It's got good taste. I'm sure he doesn't know that the song "Closer" by Nine Inch Nails is not appropriate to send anyone. Yeah. Um, well. Well, I sh- yeah. You can send you can send it to me if you are uh, Jason Momoa or Henry Cavill. Yeah. Or any of the Helms, uh, Hemsworth. You brothers. can send it to me if you're Jack. My Jack. That's pretty much it. Otherwise, it's, it's inappropriate. <laughs> For those that don't know what that song is, don't go listen to it on our account, especially if you're young, because it's not it's not a safe song for it's young not, people. It's not, but it is a good one. It's so good. It's so good. And that music video was so creepy. I know. Oh, uh, those Nine Inch Nails music videos were... I was such a goth, like, industrial kid, too, mm-hmm. when I was that age, so I was totally into that stuff, and I was like, ooh, this is disturbing. Oh, this is freaking out my parents. Oh, yeah. I was totally into it. If it freaked out my parents... Which was kind of easy to do. Um, well, it was easy to freak out my mom, not my dad. My dad was like, eh, right. done it, been there, got the t-shirt. But my mom was like, <gasps> my mom was a pearl clutcher. Pearl clutcher from and way I back. Just, I delighted in getting her to clutch damn pearls. My mom was not a pearl clutcher. She she wanted to know too much. And it was like, <laughs> mom, back up off it. My grandmother was like that. My mom's mom. So I guess my mother's... Mm-hmm. Um, properness was kind of natural rebellion from my grandmother because my grandmother was one of those old southern ladies that just fucking knows everything born knowing it yeah and born unshocked 
I think that's how my mom is, and my yeah. grandmother was much more reserved. Yeah. Very kind of funny, kind of skips though. Gen- like leapfrogs in the generation. It does. Except I'm not a pearl clutcher. You clutch your pearls at other people clutching their pearls, as do I. I. I'm like, that's shot. Oh my, oh my god, gosh. you're offended that really, by that? that <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm offended that you're offended. Someone get me pearls. <laughs> I need to clutch them right now. I will now. clutch someone else's pearls. It's a Give me your pearls. <laughs> yeah. And then they're going to clutch their pearls about that, and it's a cycle. It's just, it's just <laughs> this horrible feedback loop of pearl clutching that never ends. <laughs> it's a lot of pearls, though. It's, someone's got to get some oysters and shit. There's a, there's a dirty joke in there about pearl necklaces, but I won't make it. Yeah, and oysters. Uh. <laughs> uh, okay, so I get to go first this time. Yes. So I don't. Okay, so this is this is a unique episode because I think neither one of us knows no, the, the story, one. anything about the story the other's doing, right? Because you've never heard of mine, and I've never heard of yours. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I didn't know of mine either until okay. recent hiccup. Sorry. Until the recent hiccup. I got a hiccup. Moscow Mule hiccup. Burp. Yay! Sorry oh, about that. Sip of mine real quick. I'm having um, I'm having a Moscow Mule and coffee. Is that a weird thing? Do that? Does they do they cancel I mean, each other out? You don't normally have them at the same time, but you almost always have them when you're over. Because I mean, you have all the make, you have all the fixins, and I you do. have really great coffee. I'm the hostess with the most dish. No, I don't, I don't really drink at home. I don't have. We don't keep alcohol in the house very much because Brandon's not much of a drinker. Like uh, we have like rosé. That's not really either. Yeah. Yeah. No. But um, so I come over here and I'm like party. Like I get... yeah. <laughs> I have a lot. I end up having a lot of get-togethers over here. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of liquor. Because you have you have happens. the best party digs. I do. It's a really yeah. good party house. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. that's facts. It's just so facts. tell me about okay, so your story. I recently, not too long ago, was in uh, Kansas City for a convention. That's where Brandon and I met. Yes. Not at that convention, but in at yeah. a convention yeah. in Kansas City. And so uh, there were several listeners and um, hopefully some new listeners that um, I spoke with. But I was told several times to look up Stoll Cemetery, among some other ones. Okay. But the Stoll thing was creepy. How's it, and how's it spelled? S-T-U-L-L. Stoll. Okay. I've never Stoll. heard of it. Um, it's in Douglas County, Kansas. Hmm. Okay. So I looked it up. I was like, I gotta do this shit. Mm. So here we go. Are you ready? So ready. In any list you find of the most haunted places in Kansas sometimes even America, definitely the most haunted cemeteries in America, you will find the Stoll Cemetery. For years, stories of witchcraft, ghosts, and supernatural happenings have surrounded the old graveyard. It is a place that some claim is one of the seven gateways to hell. Oh! We have a gateway to hell. What are the other six? I don't know. (laughs) I have a feeling there's probably like... Voice acting? Voice acting, Twitter. Um, Twitter. Twitter. Oh, Twitter is hell. I, I YouTube. Hell. Um, so, uh, Stull is an unincorporated community in rural Douglas County, Kansas, United States. As of 2018, only a handful of structures remain in the area. However, Stull has always been a tiny town. At its maximum size, the settlement comprised of about 50 individuals Mm. total. Since the 1970s, the town has become infamous due to the legend that claims the nearby Stoll Cemetery is possessed by demonic forces. 
50 people. Can you imagine growing up in a town of just 50 people? Absolutely or not. Or like not even, it's no. not really even a town. It's just an unincorporated little community. It's just like three families that are all friends. <laughs> it's, well, you hope they're all friends. You know they're not all friends. Right. You know they're strife. It's probably five families and like, you know, extended. But then like two of them are frenemies. I love it. There's probably like there's like one the real house, like... real housewives of stole. <laughs> you know, there was like <laughs> <laughs> the real the it's like the real housewife of stole. <laughs> I I love that there's probably like the one rich family in town that everyone hates, but they're probably only richer than everyone else by like ten dollars. Right. <laughs> but they are technically the richest family in town. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. That's crazy. That's some, like, Shirley Jackson short story shit right there. Yeah. Because in a big town, there's a lot of, there's, I feel like in a big town, people give each other, like a big city, like, people Mm -hmm. give each other a lot of mental space because there's not a lot of physical space. And so there's less opportunities for, like, feuds and shit like that. But in small towns where there's a lot of space and not a lot to do, people find things to be hateful about. It's true. Well, and everybody knows everything about somebody in a small oh, town. But in God. this small, everybody knows everything because it's happening to them. <laughs> it's so small. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. That's, that's crazy. I'm just... that. that... <laughs> Graduating class of two. Um, so, okay. According to legend, the gateway to hell is supposed to be located under an old crumbling church in the cemetery. There are supposedly stairs, stone stairs, that lead all the way down to hell. Every Halloween night, the devil uses those same steps to exit hell for the evening. So, if you're at the cemetery on October 31st, there's a good chance you'll get a look at the devil himself. Or his self, if you don't understand how words work. So. <laughs> <laughs> so that, was, that was great. The Thank devil you. would really appreciate I'm that. I'm sure. I could just, can would. I comment for a moment about how the devil coming up out of hell every night and goes, cool, where am I going tonight? Oh, I'm fucking stall. It's <laughs> like 50 people here. Well, okay. <laughs> we'll get there. We will get there. Okay. The legends also say that the devil has been appearing there since the 1850s and insists that the original name of the town was Skull and that the later corruption of that informa- uh, of that in- into Stull was simply to cover the fact that the area was steeped in black magic. It was said that the witchcraft practicing early settlers were so repentant about their past deeds that they changed the name of the town. Wow. What is so <laughs> special about Stull that the devil wants to visit? That's what we <laughs> want to know. Like, why Stull? Like, what is it, devil? I'm, I'm just harping on the fact that they're like, we have to hide our past. I know. Let's change one letter. One de- <laughs> Right. <laughs> They'll and make, never know. And make it rhyme exactly. <laughs> And the letters kind of look the same. I mean, like you could take it, you could turn yeah. a K, you could turn a, a K into a T pretty easily. It's true. I'm just that's yeah. I mean, that's just like whoever like puts out the price point on those fast food signs, and they go, eh. I just ran out of a. I just I don't have any I'm, periods, so I'm just gonna go whatever. So this this it's, bucket of chicken wings is gonna be four hundred ninety nine dollars. You know, <laughs> you know where the point right. goes. It's they know everybody knows. They put a comma there, and it's very confusing. Okay, so. Uh, what, so what is so special is apparently it's because in 1850, a stable hand allegedly stabbed the mayor to death in the cemetery's old stone barn. Years later, the barn was converted into a church, which in turn was gutted by fire. Twice, 
each time on Halloween. Hmm. Which is okay. why the devil still visits. A decaying wooden <laughs> crucifix that still uh, hangs from one wall is thought to sometimes turn upside down when passersby step into the building at midnight. Stull is rumored to be the middle part of a middle point of a satanic triangle and is responsible con- for converting fundamental Christian children into Satan worshipers. Hmm. The devil also I appears at Stull. I know. Um, the coincidence of the Halloween fires is is unsettling. It, it is. Yeah. It is. But, you know, yeah. it's Halloween. It's people Halloween. people do guess, crazy yeah. shit on Halloween. Yeah, but in this tiny little town. Why? Yeah, well, true, yeah. I guess. Because um, okay. odds are someone's going to talk. <clears throat> yeah. Hmm. So the devil also appears at... St- and also in the 1800s. Hmm. Why are they going to like... Halloween wasn't that big of a deal. That's yeah, true. So. That's true. Um, the devil also appears at Stoll on the spring equinox. He comes to visit a witch, one of his wives that is buried there, along with their infant son. A grave in the cemetery is even supposed to hold the bones of a child of Satan who was born of the devil and a witch. The child was so deformed that he only lived for a few days and the body was buried in Stoll. Some say that his ghost may walk here, as there supposedly was a photo taken a few years ago that shows a werewolf-like boy peering out from behind a tree. Ooh. There's even an old tombstone bearing the name Wittich. It is located, Wittich, W-I-T-T-I-C-H. It's located fairly close to the old church. It's said that witches and occult groups are still using the church for dark rituals and black magic, or the area. There has been a connection to witchcraft in the cemetery for some time now. In fact, an old tree in the graveyard was once used as a gallows for condemned witches. They had to take the tree down a few years ago after it got struck by lightning. (laughs) <laughs> there's also an all but forgotten trail called devil's road with a strange history too Ooh. it is said that a man somehow managed to set fire to his own son by accident Bye. yeah and on another occasion a man was discovered hanging from a tree by the trail mm. an article in time magazine in the early 90s said that pope john paul ii ordered his a private to fly around eastern Kansas while on his way to a public appearance in Colorado. The reason for this, what? the story claims, was that the Pope did not want to fly over unhallowed ground. Why? Because of Halloween, Satan comes there. Because of the equinox, Satan comes there. Because of all the other shit. With all oh. this history behind the cemetery, kids and ghost hunters check it out all the time, and so much freaky shit has gone down, including people getting hurt or disappearing, that the police had to put up a chain-link security fence around the cemetery and keep it on 24-hour lockdown to keep the public safe from the cemetery. Well, that's no fun. I know. And this, um, yeah, which is, yeah, safe from the cemetery and the city safe from litigation, I would imagine. <laughs> disappearing, murdered, hurt, whatever. Uh, we should probably chain that shit up. Maybe. So the area is still regularly patrolled, and if you're caught in the area, they will give you a $1,000 fine for trespassing. Damn. According to the Lawrence Journal World, from Lawrence, Kansas, the Old Stone Church was mysteriously torn down on Friday, March 29, 2002. A man named Major Weiss, who owns the property, along with two other people, who he declined to name, said that he did not authorize the abandoned church to be destroyed. Those who live nearby stated that they were also unaware of the demolition, although one of them did say that a wall of the church had collapsed about two weeks before. 
Here are just a few more of the reports around Stoll and the cemetery. Okay. There are reports of abundant paranormal phenomena from residents in town, raps and banging, voices often reported to be the voice of an old woman, weird clocks and indoor windstorms, ghostly children playing at night in the cemetery, time shifts and discrepancies, inexplicable loss of memory and disorientation. Wow. Stoll was the reason the cure refused to play in Kansas. Really? According to the legends, yeah. The cure? I know, it seems... How would they pass that up? Before the church was demolished, it was said that bottles thrown at the walls would not break. A permutation held that if the bottle didn't break, you were going to hell. If it broke, heaven. Or vice versa. Depends. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like that game. I know. (laughs) The rules seem very unclear. I know. This is a lot of... This is why I wanted to look this up. There's so much to it. Which brings us to the next part. Of my story. Uh-huh. Actually. Actually. I knew it. I knew it. I could feel it coming. <laughs> it's an actually. It's a big old Wait, actually. Are you telling me that all these stories may not be 100% accurate? Si es posible. <laughs> so. Well, Stoll was. On. Let's do it. And um, remind me of the Pope thing because I don't know if I wrote that down. Okay. Okay. So Stoll Hey, was, Jamie. Later. Remember the Pope thing. Remind oh, okay. Okay, sorry. Remind me to remind you later. To Not going to happen. Damn. Hey, guys, just text me about the Pope thing if I don't say it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or tweet me. I'm sorry. I'll remember. Uh, I'm Stoll was founded in 1857 and was initially known as Deer Creek. I read one passage that said, no one seems to know where that name came from. As in they didn't know where Deer, Deer Creek came from, which I'm like... <laughs> Pretty sure Maybe. there was a creek and like some and fucking some deer. deer. The end. I grew up near a uh, deer creek. I did too. Yeah. You deer creek in Texas? Yeah, deer creek, uh, deer in, creek Texas. in Oklahoma. It's a very common yeah, name. Very like, common. Because it's where deer go to drink. So I you know. see them at a water source a it's lot. It's not a fucking where mystery. Where could the name have come from? There's a deer and creek. There's not a creek made out of deer. <laughs> There's not a deer made out of creeks. Okay. It was just, it was actually a creaky deer. They just spelled it wrong. It was it's real old and his bones. Were, yeah. <laughs> That's what it was. If you listen closely. Okay. So however they got the name, it was never Skull. Eventually. Which is so stupid when you think about it. Like, oh, Skull. That means demon. No. It's just we all what have they, them. we have. <laughs> the more I read about it, the more I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Okay, so eventually... Oh, you're going to piss off a lot of people I know, I'm We're sorry, like, you guys. We need it to be true. It's true, it's not. There are plenty of other things that I that are true, and hopefully I'll get to those later, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. this, you know... But not installed. Yeah. Uh, okay. Sure, where was I? Uh, 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 Deer Creek. Deer name, Creek, never um, said. Eventually the town was renamed by the post office... Uh, and they just used the postmaster's name, which was Sylvester Stoll. I bet it used to be Skull, and he changed it at Ellis Blah, Island. He's the devil. It didn't. <laughs> and he just like, really liked the post office until the twenties, when they closed it down permanently. But um, I think it was the twenties. But anyway, there was also never a mayor stabbed by a stable hand in the barn in 1850. First of all, there's never been a mayor in Stoll. They don't have Yeah, mayors. they're not incorporated, no. so they wouldn't have a mayor, would they? Nope. Two. The town was founded in 1857. So even if they did have mayors, they wouldn't have had one seven years before it was even a town. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's a shit job. Right. Third of all, there was never a barn transformed into a church. 
There is a church, though. During the late 1850s, the handful of families living in Deer Creek organized a church that met in the homes of its members until 1867, mm -hmm. when a stone structure was built to house the Evangelical Emanuel Church, where the sermons were preached in German until 1908. Oh, that's cool. I know. I thought that was cool. In 1867, a cemetery was chartered for the town next to the church. In 1922, those living in Stoll raised $20,000, which is a lot, in 1922 for a small yeah. town, um, that, to construct a new wooden frame church across the road. The following year, the church changed its official name from Deer Creek Church to Stoll Evangelical Church because of the name of the, of the town change mm -hmm. and the old stone evangelical emmanuel church was abandoned by the community in 1922 and over the course of the 20th century the church slowly fell into a greater and greater state of decrepitude decrepitude did you like that i like I that thought you word. Would. oh oh yeah decrepitude oh. gave, that gave me a tingling um, sensation right it sounds like you're you have an attitude that is getting worse and worse um <laughs> I don't like your decrepitude. Like, I'm sensing some decrepitude. <laughs> um, say that again with this time without the decrepitude. decrepitude right. I'm, sense, like, I'm just gonna start saying that to that, old people. And now when you go up to an old, you go up to an old building and be like, that thing has some tude decrepitude. <laughs> You're, all of this is free, you guys. This all of great. it's this free. Is great. This is, we are spinning gold here, people. Oh no. Okay. Um, <laughs> So yeah, uh, so the the whole barn into a church and it was an old building in the fifties. Not true. It wasn't in the eighteen fifties. It wasn't when built you, until eighteen. I will confess when you were originally telling the story about the the stable hand that stabbed the mayor in the barn, I was like, uh huh. Was the mayor a horse? Oh shit! Because <laughs> that that's the name of a horse. Wouldn't that have been a great thing? No, I just thought the town's mayor was a horse. Oh, that's fun too. They're like, let's be the, the horse will be mayor. Yay! Hey, if Caligula can... Mm, that's true. <laughs> Caligula. I said those words. Uh, Moscow. Okay. Woo. So it turns out the whole mysteriously collapsed thing isn't that all all that mysterious after all. The Old property fall down. I know. The property is owned by a man named John Hase. H-A-A-S-E-H. Has? Has? <laughs> is there a lot of... A lot of Hayes? There are two A's. I don't two know. A's. Hayes. John. Mr. John. Hayes. We're just going to call him Mr. John. It reminds me of that old, <laughs> that old Disney, or not Disney, uh, uh, Warner Brothers, the, the um, Bugs Bunny with um, Hansel and Gretel. And they're like, Hansel? Hansel. <laughs> so it's John Haas? <laughs> Oh, that's so good. That witch in that is amazing. <laughs> too. This is appropriate because there was a witch in that too. Okay, so mm. it is possible that Major Weiss owns the property as well, but Weiss soon found out what happened to the church because Haas, Hayes, John was very open about it. He was interviewed by the same company that owns the Lawrence Journal World later. The West Wall completely collapsed in 2002. They do that. So, according to John, a second wall had come down, making it a potential hazard for anyone who dared to mess with it, especially the curious kids who frequented the cemetery. Um... He had a friend go up there to test out the remaining walls. He gave a nudge to one of the walls, and the whole thing came down. It wasn't a mystery. It wasn't even a secret. It pissed off a lot of people who wanted to restore the church. 
I suppose if there was a mystery, it would be whether or not the structure came down so easily. Mm-hmm. Or if someone was like, I am fucking sick of these kids. I'm going to go push this shit down. I'm tired of it. Um, but whether it did or not, it was to protect people from the structure collapsing on them, not to protect them from supernatural forces or to hide the gate to hell. Um, and I have a picture that I'll put up on the Instagram of like I mean, the site me. with just like rubble where after it had oh, all yeah. been knocked down. I mean, don't get me wrong. Small towns are hell. They can, <laughs> they they can, can be, be hell, but I feel like every small town well, has its potential. This one kind of became a hell. Um, but we'll, you'll see. After that, the bill, after the church fell down, right? The city decided to put up the security fence and no trespassing signs to help protect the graveyard from any more vandalism because now there's not even a church to see. Mm, Right? Right. Okay. During the 20th century, the settlement did suffer two major tragedies that a couple of myths support. The first occurred when a young boy wandered into a field that his father was burning and died. Oh. So, yes, a boy was killed by a fire, but saying his father accidentally set fire to him is a pretty shitty thing to say. Yeah, that's, like, that's just bad storytelling. It is. I mean, I mean... We should have, like, sorry. I mean, I know the guy burned mm-hmm. his son, but, like, really, it's but like... But he the, didn't the, burn his son. His son wandered in the wrong... Into a field was that was burning. A, that is fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. That's... That's... oh Yeah. It's like accidentally burn his son. Like, he lit him on fire and was like, whoopsie. Like, no. <laughs> it was like, no. It, it, oh. Yeah. Oh. So the second tragedy occurred when a man was found hanging from a tree after going missing. Yes, those things did happen. Was it was because they were on the devil's trail... I'm going to go with a nope on that. Yeah. It's just two tragedies in the ni- in the 20th century. That's it for this town. That's and, as, and as awful as that sounds, like, I don't want to sound elitist about it, but I would expect something more spectacular if the devil was to blame. I know. And like, you know, a simple... <laughs> Hashtag be best. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what happened? Where did all this bullshit come from? The other thing is the Pope, the story of the Pope, right? Right, the Pope. I, mean, I remembered it. Um, Thanks for reminding me to remind you. So yeah. uh, tell me the story. Of the okay, Pope. so the Pope. Um, that time article mm-hmm. doesn't fucking exist. And that seems like bullshit. I feel like the yeah. Pope spends a lot of time visiting places yeah. that aren't like whole or sacred ground because Absolutely. part of his job is to go and be like, hey, do uh well, let's talk let's about... Let's make this some sacred ground. Yeah, let's make yeah. this... I mean, like, he can make it sacred ground. Right. Uh, so, a lot of times they'll say, oh, this time said this, or a publication said this. It's always good to research and see if you can find it, mm-hmm. because um, people will just lie and say that this is the name of that article, or the name of the magazine, to mm-hmm. give their story... Um, Weird. Uh, people to believe Weird. it, to make Fake news. It. Fake news, Fake news about news. Okay, so back in the 1950s, it seems a professor at the University of Kansas deliberately made up the story of the gate to hell as an urban legend. It grew as he repeated the story each year to his students. Teacher starts to tell a story, freak out the kids, pretty normal thing. Right, right. However, uh, it grew and grew, and in 1972, so 20 years later, the story wound up in the university newspaper. Huh. 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 Sound familiar? Uh-huh. After that, going out to stall on Halloween night to wait for Satan to appear became a rite of passage. Only, Satan never would appear because, among other things, the story was bullshit. It's like, this is like a darker version of the Great Pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. 
Of course, when you think about it, you have a bunch of college kids sitting around a cemetery drinking, and I would assume drugging of some sort. <laughs> Wait, college kids? <laughs> that would probably be involved. Uh, oh. And they're waiting for the devil herself. And... That's right, I said it. <laughs> <laughs> nothing happens. They wait and they wait and nothing happens. And this is how they're the spending Halloween. Like, gotcha. Gotcha. Nailed it. So what do they do? Stupid shit. Some kids would steal things to show that they'd been there. And some would break things out of boredom or general assholery. Vandalism became rampant. Mm. In 1978, it was estimated that 150 college kids were in the cemetery on Halloween night. By 1988, nearly 500 kids showed up. Lord. Yeah, 500 people in a tiny graveyard walking around. Yeah, that's, yeah. Stomping Shit's getting fucked up. Yeah. It's like spring break. Yes, yeah, absolutely. The sheriff's department turned them away the next year, but the damage had already been done. Vandalism and theft had done serious harm to the cemetery, and more importantly, to the families of the people who were buried there, yeah. and most still live in Stull. There's even an episode about the Stull Cemetery in Supernatural. Oh. It's the season finale episode where Archangel Michael and Lucifer fight it out, or something along those lines. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen Supernatural at all either. I thought you were going to be mad at me. No, Everybody's I, I mean, I know of it. And I, I, a friend of mine's been trying to get me to see it for years, and I just can't commit. It's a bit, it's, it's, it's been it's, so long now, too. It's older than, the show is older than my last car. Yeah. And that's saying something. Yeah. So I'm like, that's a lot of, that's a lot of episodes I got to watch. I want one day. One day. One day. I'm in there too. I'm in there too. But I looked it up to see, just to make sure that wasn't bullshit. But yes, it's definitely in there. Um... So, also, glam rockers urge overkill. Do you know them? Urge overkill? Uh, that sounds familiar. They did, I think it was in the 90s. Yeah, in 1993, they did their part to play up the legend when they released Stull EP. <laughs> I am. Neither, uh, neither homages to the cemetery were terribly appreciated by the locals. Mm. There is no history of witches to be found. There is no history of black magic to be found. No devil has ever been seen in the cemetery. And the... Locals don't talk about their place being haunted. They don't talk about uh, the cemetery being haunted or the devil or any of that stuff. They just want people to go the fuck away. Yeah. It's going to be hard to be a witch in a community that small yeah. because everyone's going to know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Makes no sense. Also, the whole burning the witch or, like, hanging the witch mm-hmm. thing, that would have been in the in the late 1800s was as well past when uh, Yeah, like by, uh, like by a couple hundred years. Yes, significantly. That yeah. was in the 1600s, so. Yeah. Yeah, because I can't do math. Um, also, and it I wasn't happening in Kansas at the time. No, it wasn't. Kansas wasn't occupied. There was no town there. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. In the article that covered the story about John and the church, John Hobbs, one <laughs> 79-year-old woman who lives nearby and has nearly a dozen relatives buried at the cemetery said, there's no devil down here. The only devils we have are the two-legged ones who write stories about it. Ooh, I like her I sass. I love her, right? Isn't she great? So <laughs> She reminds me of like, Betty. I'm just picturing her as Betty White from Lake Placid. Oh, that's good too. <laughs> like she has yeah. great lines like, I was, I this was is just... the part where if I had a dick, I'd tell you to suck it. Like right. Betty White says those words I in a movie it. and it just made me love her all the more. Yeah. And that's who I'm thinking of when uh, you mention this woman. I was going to say Betty Davis. Betty well. Davis too. Either one. Pick, Either one. Pick, the pick, your, pick your Betty. Okay, so <laughs> I'm sure that too also... She didn't love trespassers stomping all over her fucking family, yeah. And not just that. 
In 2010, the cemetery had 13 broken headstones, 11 more that were actually missing altogether, stolen by thrill-seeking paranormal enthusiasts who wanted to take a fucking souvenir. Yeah. Uh, Paul Marecki, I think that's how you say it, chair of Kentucky University's Department of Religious Studies, in 2004 states that he knows of no allusions to portals to hell in the Bible. I'm not going to reread the whole thing, so we're going to just fucking take his word for it. Uh, there is actually a Wittich tombstone in the cemetery. Mm-hmm. It reads, Wittich, Anna A. Andrews, 1832 to 1910. John, son, 1869. Sarah, daughter, 1870. So I guess Satan had two kids that died young. <laughs> That's all I can think of. And then also poor Anna, she only made it to 78 in 1910. That was, I mean, she was so maybe, well ahead of the curve. Maybe she really was a witch. I mean... I lived long for her. Good but for her. That's good right. Good for her. Good for you, Anna. So, okay, anyway. For the record, the surname Wittich was first found in southern Germany, where it was extremely popular in the Middle Ages as a first name due to its use in a Middle High German epic poem written in the 12th century. Hmm. Wittich was a mythical hero, and it is likely that the original bearer of the surname was the son of someone who was named Wittig out of admiration for this hero. Hmm. It is a common name. It is not a mystery. It's not a witch. It's not even from a witch. It's from an epic it's German poem. It's from an epic German poem. Now, could the graveyard be haunted? Of course. well now well and that's what i was gonna say i would imagine there's quite a bit of unrest from all the inconsiderate and disrespectful shit that's gone on in that cemetery Mm -hmm. but if you want to go looking for ghosts in cemeteries leave this one alone for fuck's sake the citizens installed don't want you there and the cemetery has suffered enough also keep in mind that there are a few truths to this legend one is that yes trespassing on stole cemetery could bring maximum fines of $1,000 and up to six months in jail. That's uh, a lot of dollars and that's a lot of months. It is. For an evening that will not really be interesting for you. Right. It's just not worth it. And I read some stories of people who lived there saying, like, people would get so stoned and drunk, they would go to the wrong cemetery (laughs) and be waiting for stuff. And then people would joke about, like, they'd probably get more action in that cemetery (laughs) than in, in the Stoll Cemetery. But, uh, yeah, so that's, that's the that's, actually that's of the, the day. That's a good actually. I know. It's all wow. bullshit. All of it is wow. just made up by, and I love the idea that this professor, so, and this is kind of funny too. This happened to me actually, because there was a, a house on my street that was vacant. It was always vacant uh-huh. when I grew up. I was young. Um, this was before we moved way out into the country too. And so. Uh, we'd ride our bikes and walk by it and everything. And, you know, if a house is vacant, you go in the backyard and you look in those windows when you're a kid. Like, what's going on in there? When, just when you're a kid, you would never do something like that when you're grown up. Um, <laughs> well, so, not during the day. Yeah. And so when you'd look in the back, that was where the kitchen was in the dining room. And there was this big uh, painting still on the wall. And, I mean, it was vacant the whole time we were there. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> um, I started telling people that it was haunted, and I got my older brother in on it. And so we'd be like, "This is, this is house is haunted." Well, you know that's why nobody lives there is because crazy stuff happens. And if you go look into the back in the kitchen, like in that area, in the back window, there's a painting. And if you look, things in the painting move. So we tell people that. <laughs> Very funny. Whatever. 
like a decade later, I was back in that after we moved, I was back in that area and um, I was with somebody who lived on that street or, or nearby and we mm-hmm. were driving through to get somewhere else. And they were like, they told me they're like, that house is haunted. And I was like, what? Go on. Like, Go on. And they were like, oh yeah, like it's always vacant. It still was vacant. They were like, it's always vacant. People will move in, but then they move out. And in the back, there's a painting. And if you look in it, things move. I've seen it. And I was like, oh shit, it worked. <laughs> now there are two kinds of people that, that, that would react uh, to that experience. Uh-huh. There's, there's you that would be like, hey, I did it. I did I, it. It's like hashtag yeah. win. Um, and there's people that would be like, I'm psychic. Oh yeah. No, that wasn't me. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. I didn't tell them either. I was like, that's fascinating. They wouldn't. Tell me more. They wouldn't have believed you anyway. That's right. I, I think I've told the story before, but there was a, an old, there is an old cemetery in the town where I grew up mm-hmm. and uh, there, it was known for like, there was a lady in white that would like appear at midnight among yeah. the headstones. And I interviewed someone for a story I was writing for my high school newspaper on Halloween and she had seen, uh, and several people that, that she still hung out with had seen this woman in white uh, appear right as the church bell told midnight and she'd see her. They were all like on the opposite end of the cemetery. They could see this figure, this, this long flowing white uh, figure uh, that would just kind of appear and then disappear and then appear somewhere else and then walk and then disappear and then appear somewhere somewhere else and kept doing that and I was like oh, that's a good story and then years later I was hanging out with someone and I told that story at a gathering and someone was like wait a minute was this such and such cemetery wait who told you that fucking story and I was like this person did and this person did and then the, 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 she just started fucking cackling and she was like yeah it's true I mean they saw a woman in white it was me Bitch in white. Bitch in white. <laughs> Hashtag this bitch in white. And she just, it was very clever and very lo-fi. All she did was, like, they, it was a prank they were playing on this group of, of kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was like, yeah, I just dressed in white, like a white Halloween, you know, ghost outfit or something. And I had, like, a black sheet over it. So I would just, like, be walking and then I'd cover myself in the black sheet. And then I'd walk over and then uncover the <laughs> black sheet. And so it would Perfect. look like I would pop in and out of existence in different little places because they were far enough away that they couldn't Could really see, see yeah. that. They couldn't make out the details. And I'm like, so that's funny. brilliant! And that was, like, a huge story. When I wrote that story in the newspaper that, like, it got a lot of reaction. Suddenly people wanted to go out to that cemetery and see. And it was like, oh my god, it's haunted. Never been haunted. There's yeah. no white woman among the graves there ever. Because I looked it up later. I'm like, there's no story that shit yeah oh it's so funny so sometimes yeah, so it makes me think of this professor just trying to get you know get a kick get his students a kick out of his students or whatever and yeah and then it just becomes this whole other thing and it gets spread around i read one story about a woman who uh, had never heard the stories but her daughter went to kansas to university of kansas you know ku university of kansas, kansas. Mm-hmm. i don't know um i should know but i don't uh and so she uh maybe it's not uk because then it would be uck well, and the UK's already taken. That's true. By an entire country. <laughs> um, whole country. So she said that her daughter came back from school and was talking about it. So it's that's it's great. just at the college and so great. spreads from there. I love so. it. Yeah, uh, that's Stoll Cemetery. Well, let me go make us a couple more drinks and I will get into my yes. story. And we are we back. We are back, refreshed, mm-hmm. and ready to dive into my story which is the orang madan it's spelled orang madan 
Now, I had only encountered this recently. I hadn't heard of it before. It's, yeah. a, it's a famous ghost ship. Um, I love ghost ships. Yes, and Orang Madan is spelled. Done any yet. Huh? Yeah, right. Well, this is this is a pretty good one, uh, as that it's fairly recent in, oh. as far as maritime history goes. Um, Orang Madan. It's two words. It's spelled O U R A N G M E D A N. And we'll get into the name as the story unfolds. Orang Madan. <laughs> okay. okay, now now in the annals of maritime lore, there are, broadly speaking, two kinds of ghost ships. Okay. Now, the first is probably exactly what you're thinking. It's the literal ghost of a ship, a spectral vessel uh, manned by a crew long dead, doomed to wander the seven seas in perpetuity and spoken of by old salt since time out of mind, usually to scare the shit out of less seasoned colleagues on... Ships. <laughs> Less um, seasoned colleagues on ships. Is that what you said? Okay. Yeah, it's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they're, they're legends. There are some... You they're know, like the, mermaids. They're like mermaids. Maybe. Uh, but don't believe it if you see it on YouTube. It doesn't mean it's real. Mom. No. I, <laughs> I, you're, whatever. Your mom just sees a mermaid clip and goes, it's a vampire. <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> now, examples uh, of this type of ghost ship are pretty, like, they're all over. They've been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. One of the more famous, to give you an example, is the Flying Dutchman. Yes, uh, right. Which is an old story. I might go into that lore one day. It's too extensive to go here. But it was immortalized by Richard Wagner's opera, uh, which is called the Flying Dutchman, and it's about a ship that's doomed mm -hmm. to wander the seven seas forever. Um... I think, I'd say that's the most widely known. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and the, but there are others. There are right. other. There are uh, there have been apparitions of ships that caught fire and that mm -hmm. they still see appear in bursts of flames on the ocean right. every now and again. But that's that's the first kind of ghost ship. That that's for in pop culture. That's what we think of as a ghost ship. But an actual ghost ship, the second type, it represents an actual menace to seafarers. It is a physical ship. Mm -hmm. that is drifting willy-nilly, abandoned by its crew, oh. and uh, sometimes... It's like a ghost town. Yes, exactly, exactly. Okay. And sometimes, and there are many, many, many of these in, that right. are on record um, that go back as far as the, the 16th century, or excuse me, the 17th century, um, many of them substantiated, and some of them, uh, the, the vast majority of them are ghost ships for very obvious reasons. It's not like the crew mm -hmm. just disappeared. They were like, oh yeah, you know, we left because the ship, you know, caught fire or something like that. Right. Um, but there are several where the ship uh, was abandoned for reasons that are not obvious and the crew yeah. never seen again. And the yeah. most famous of this type was the Mary Celeste. Yes. Which you may have heard of, and I'll just briefly talk about the Love Mary Celeste. It. Um, she was found drifting at partial sail just about 400 miles from the Azores Islands off the coast of Portugal. This was on December 5th. Portugal. Huh? Portugal. Portugal. Uh, this was on December 5th, uh, 1872, just about a month, less than, actually, after pushing off from New York Harbor under the command of Captain Benjamin Spooner Briggs. Uh, now, though their personal effects, uh, most of them anyway, and the ship's cargo of denatured alcohol were still on board, Briggs, his wife Sarah, their two-year-old daughter Sophia, and his experienced crew were never seen or heard mm -hmm. of again. And they weren't missing anything. So, you know, usually people will think pirates do it, mm -hmm. but they weren't missing anything. Yeah, the valuables were still... The only yeah. thing... Now, there was a lifeboat missing. Right. And some of the of Captain Briggs's navigational equipment 
was uh, Gone missing as well. as well. Also, there was a there was water. There was like four feet of water in one of the holds, which is significant, but not not an alarming. It's not a sinkable. It's offense. it's not it's not not something that would make you want to abandon a ship, especially an experienced crew would be like, well, we're fine, especially because yeah. they were so close to land uh, or would have been at the time. So, but there were little things to suggest. I mean, there are all kinds of theories as to what happened. Um, everything from from mutiny to a murderous former slave and less fantastically a faulty chronometer, <laughs> um, all have been offered up by way of the actual of an explanation over the years. But the mystery still endures of the Mary Celeste. What happened? Propagated by storytellers no less than Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who created Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Um, but we could talk about the Mary Celeste for hours and hours and hours, and that's not what I'm here to Maybe tell you. Maybe one about. day we will. But suffice to say, the perils of seafaring provide storytellers ample material for hair-raising tales, whether of the first type of ghost ship or the second. The modern-day Dutch freighter, the Orang Madan, gives us perhaps a unique example of both Ooh. of ghost ships. Do, 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 do. Now, here is the story, and I ha- this has to be... This had to be pieced together, so go into it with a grain of salt under your tongue, because this okay. is this. There's a lot to unpack. Um, is that the saying, a grain of salt under your tongue? No, I just made that up. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was trying to be clever. I just immediately thought I never fucking knew that. No, it neither did I yeah. until I just made it, is it now. happen. Um, Everybody now just starts saying it, a grain of salt <laughs> under your tongue, and then people be they won't say anything because. I'm not afraid of being stupid. So I'll just be like, <laughs> what? And now we know, then you can, nobody will ever ask and then people will start saying it and we'll, and we'll know that you made it up the whole time. Oh my God. And we'll be like, it means that when you see a painting and things inside of it move, <laughs> to Tell take everybody it with a grain it's of salt. Take it with um, a grain of salt under your tongue. So now reports vary, but most accounts agree that the events that would bring the otherwise nondescript commercial vessel to notoriety occurred either in June of 1947 or February of 1948. Okay. Basically, what happened was this. Multiple ships intercepted a distress signal in Morse code going out over the Straits of Malacca between Malaysia and Sumatra. The messages made it clear that the unknown vessel was in urgent need of help. We float, it read, all officers, including the captain, dead in chart room and on the bridge, probably whole of crew dead. A string of incomprehensible dots and dashes followed, capped with the chilling words, I die. Now, two American merchant ships responded, the Silver Star and a ship named the City of Baltimore. Uh, The source of the distress signal was triangulated with the help of British and Dutch listening posts, and a course was set. The Silver Star reached the stricken ship's coordinates first, roughly about 400 nautical miles from the Marshall Islands, and they found her adrift with no visible crew, her engines completely silent. Now, aside from the words, Orang Madan painted professionally along the hull, nothing about the vessel really stood out. Orang, incidentally, is Indonesian for man. Madan is the largest city in Sumatra, so the ship name, uh, the ship's name translates to man from Madan. Okay. Uh, the hull was undamaged. She seemed, for all intents and purposes, a normal, seaworthy Dutch freighter. The silver, the silver What's star. What's a Dutch freighter? Uh, it's a freighter that comes from the Dutch Indies. Okay, it's but just it, that region. It's it's got a particular design to it that's specific to that region. But so it's the type. It's the type it's, of ship, not exactly not where the ship is from. It, no, it is. It, it is. It's the, the type from. of ship that it's it's known by its type from because of where it comes from. Right. That makes sense. But the ship is from. The ship is a freighter, and it was from the Dutch 
Indies or the Dutch Indonesian area. But it had a area. Dutch Indonesian area. Yeah. So it's but it's Indonesian. Yeah. What? Well, so the I'm Dutch, trying to understand. Okay, I'm sorry. I know. So the this area. I'm tired. Y'all. I know. The, so this area, <laughs> this area of islands near uh-huh. uh, uh, where we are near the Marshall Islands. Excuse me, not the Marshall Islands, but uh, uh, Malacca and Malaysia and all that. Like the Dutch have a heavy, 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 heavy presence there, or did. Oh, okay. Uh, in the middle, in like the first part of the kind 20th of like century. the the. Uh, the, oh, the Virgin Islands were Dutch. Yes, Got yes. It. So okay. a lot, and that's true of a lot of islands in the Pacific Ocean. Dutch knew how to relax. <laughs> and to colonize. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so, that's, so I'm assuming, and I don't know this for a fact, but I'm assuming that it's a Dutch freighter because they knew, like, okay, well, the name is Dutch Indonesian, um, Orang, Madan, whatever. Okay, okay, and so gotcha. it makes it a Dutch freighter. I don't know that there's anything that makes it like oh that's that's the design of a Dutch freighter. I think all okay. freighters freighter is the design of the ship, and Dutch is the is the area. Um, I didn't know the source. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So the hull was undamaged. She seemed, for all intents and purposes, a normal seaworthy Dutch freighter. The Silver Star hailed her. There was no response. Attempts to make meaning they were like they were like, which is what ships do when they get close to each and other. And the other ship she didn't back. It's like driving on the highway and you get little kids to be like, Mm-mm. and like, if, yeah. if the truck driver is really cool, they're back. Yeah. Um, attempts to make contact via radio were met with eerie silence. So the captain of the Silver Star organized a boarding party and prepared to get up close and personal with whatever All was aboard. going on. What awaited the boarding party was the stuff of fucking nightmares. Tell me everything. Well, firstly, dead sailors were all over the ship's deck. And they weren't just dead, their faces were contorted in masks of fucking terror. Eyes were wide, I mean, and their arms were out in front of them, frozen in rigor like mortis. Protecting them. As though, they, like a defensive gesture. Ooh. Like they'd fended off unsuccessfully. Uh, some kind of attacker. Uh, even one of the sailor's dogs, said to be a terrier, was in the same state. Frozen in terror, snarling, eyes wide. I mean, poor thing. And uh, the how captain... How dead were they? Like, how long had it been? They couldn't tell, but rigor mortis had set in. Okay, so, but it, was, it wasn't anything where they had... They weren't always, rotting. Yeah, because then weren't that's... Because as gross as this is, but when a body starts to rot, then mm-hmm. you see... Um, they look like they're having these horrible yeah. fear. Yeah, but they have to be dead for a. They have to but be decomposing a for a yeah, while, that's... and there's no mention of the bodies being that decomposed. Dead. Okay, got it. Um, so, and mind you, and this was also in an area that was well uh, sailed at the time, right. so people would have like well traversed found it because again, drifting ghost ships like that are a hazard. Right. Uh, so the captain himself was found on the bridge, no less frozen in terror than his crew. The bridge officers, also dead, had all huddled together in the wheelhouse and chart room as if attempting to barricade themselves in. Likewise, the engineering crew were discovered below deck at their stations, their limbs also outstretched in defensive postures and their eyes agape with fear. The radio operator lay at the communications board, his hand on the dials. Mm. He had perished, indeed, while sending the distress signal. Now, horrifying as this may sound, what uh, puzzled the boarding party from the Silver Star was the fact that no one, not a single crew member, showed any outward signs of injury. From their expressions, it was clear these men had died quickly and horribly, but from what? 
One popular account of the tale adds a spine-tingling detail to the fray. The boarding party, some say, felt an unaccountable chill in the boiler room, despite mm. the furnaces churning away at a respectable 130 degrees. Mm. At this point, you may want to know, what did the autopsies find? Yeah. Good question. I congratulate what you for asking the, it. What did the <laughs> autopsies find, Michael? Alas, as to what killed these poor souls, no formal inquest was in the cards. Shortly after securing a tow line to bring the Orang Badan in for investigation, smoke began pouring from the number four hold. Flames quickly followed, the boarding party evacuated immediately, and the tow line was cut. Within moments, the mysterious ship exploded with such force, she lifted from the ocean altogether before crashing back down and sinking beneath the waves for good. Wow. Now, some of you might be saying, how convenient. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but hold on, it gets even more frustrating. Uh, there is absolutely no record of a ship named the Orang Madan in any shipping registry from the time period, but this is mentioned by the crew of the Silver Star, who were like, yeah, when we were trying to figure out who what ship this could be, there's none um, that that we could find that right. was in the area, and there was no, nothing, and they looked it up later, apparently there was no ship called the Orang Madan. Now, um, so it, it appears, at least at some level, that our floating horror movie didn't exist. Officially. Uh-huh. Now, before you cry foul and assume this means she didn't exist at all, one of the more popular conspiracy theories surrounding the Orang Madan is worth taking a look at. Now, first of all, let's assume for a moment that the story is true, because it may well be. Mm -hmm. Given the evidently rapid nature of the crew's death and the violence of the explosion, a combination of potassium cyanide and nitroglycerin may well have been the culprit. This is a popular one with armchair detectives, as that particular pairing of chemicals made for a potent nerve gas used during World War II. At any rate, I know this. Yes, yes. Thinking of chemicals may just put us on the right track. Let's talk for a moment about Unit Seven Thirty One. Mm -hmm. Ring any bells? Okay. If you're unfamiliar with this grisly piece of World War Two history, brace yourselves. The infamous complex of POW camps in Japan-occupied China operated from 1932 to 1945 and was run by state-sanctioned sociopaths so depraved, so completely devoid of humanity and compassion that they made the SS look like a fucking Methodist bowling league. Right. Worse than um, Nazis. Worse, which is really hard to be. Yeah. Um, it was like the it was like the World War II, and probably most wars, but in particular it was the most psychopathic, sociopathic people had all the power. And I mean, yes, they yes. do now, don't get me wrong. And but I mean, to an extreme And this is the kind of shit they did. Yeah, okay. Um, located yeah. in Harbin, Manchuria, a city whose proximity to Russia incidentally gave it a more European flavor than other Chinese cities. Unit 731 is described by at least one commentator as a laboratory conceived in hell. Well, all right. Now... We know they didn't get there through the... <laughs> through through Kansas. Through Kansas, um, yeah. Now, basically, to maintain its grip on Asia without fear of reprisals, uh, Japan set about developing a biological arsenal in secret, well away from the prying eyes of Allied powers. To this end, thousands of scientifically trained personnel, from chemists to veterinarians, were gathered under the command of evil mastermind Shiro Ishii and tasked with devising new and exciting ways of killing people. 
Christened, ironically, as the Epidemic Prevention and Water Purification Department, frightened locals knew the facility uh, where this horrifying research was conducted as simply a lumber factory. Indeed, the staff loosely referred to their victims as marutas, which means log. Oh, wow. Ishii, who enjoyed complete control over the grisly day-to-day minutia of the operation, kept his designs a secret from all but his closest associates. When local prisons ran low on laboratory fodder for him, his secret police force swept the streets of Harbin for fresh victims. So no simple roll of the dice decided its location either. Shiro Ishii saw the occupied Chinese as a constant flow of research material, living research material, and the re- the remoteness gave him complete license to torture, maim, and kill with impunity. Men, women, and children alike were killed for no other reason than to record their reactions at the moment of death. Victims were routinely vivisected, that is to say, surgically opened up without anesthesia just to see how their internal, internal organs will function under the stress. Biological agents were tested on as many as 500 prisoners at a time. Oh my God. And this was so routine that there's not even, we've lost records of how many people died. I mean, it was thousands upon thousands upon thousands. Now, and there's other things too. They, they, there's reports of them, all of them substantiated, of they would send families to just walk into a grenade. Uh, oh my God. And then record the, the result and use that to define, to find, well, how can we make the grenade more powerful? Okay, let's do this. Okay, another family, please. And, like, and they would just oh judge, God. they would just keep doing that until they finally decimated, until the victims were so decimated, they're like, cool, now we have a weapon that's worth putting out of the field. I mean, it was Ugh. fucking awful. And this is just... And then the biological agents they were developing in me was just a fucking living, breathing nightmare. Now, so getting back to the Orang Madan and how this ties in, many people believe an unknown toxic gas developed by Unit 731 was accidentally released on board the Orang Madan. Proponents of this theory go on to say that the cargo had been surrendered to the U.S. government following the war, which accounts for why there's no official record of the ship's existence. Possession of such agents would put the U.S. in violation of the Geneva Convention. Right. Now, evidence, you know, direct evidence for any ties to Unit uh, 731 are circumstantial at best, and at any rate doesn't establish the core story is true, and so any skepticism is justified, but it might interest you to know that um, as dodgy as some of this may seem, uh, one very curious detail that has come to light as recently as 2005 does suggest that the story actually happened. And that is the fact that the CIA appears to have taken a keen interest in the Orang Madan and to have taken the story at face value. That is the most powerful intelligence community in the world. They were like, yeah, I get it. Now, the first story, uh, the story of the Orang Madan first appeared as a series of three articles published between February 3rd and March 13th of 1948 in a Dutch-Indonesian newspaper. Its first mention in English comes to us that same year, care of the October 10th edition of the Albany Times in New York. Both sources cite the testimony of an Italian missionary in the Tuangi Atoll who supposedly stumbled upon an unnamed German soldier claiming to be the sole survivor of the doomed Orang Madan. The sailor, it said, died. The missionary related the harrowing tale to a reporter whose beat happened to be the export trade of Trieste, uh, a guy named uh, uh, Silvio uh, Shirley in Italian. Now, okay, so 
Right. So so let me unpack that for you. Yeah. The story first appeared in in three articles over the course of three articles in a yeah. Dutch and Indonesian paper, and and uh, a little later, uh, the same story was kind of translated in English for the Albany Times. And in that story, it seems to have originated from. Um, a guy who mm-hmm. was he like said he was a survivor said he was a survivor well so the story was written by this italian who who's who wrote about the shipping trade of mm-hmm. uh, Trieste, italy and uh, he wrote the story that like yeah i was approached by a missionary who said well that he was on this island that this german sailor uh in really bad condition had died in his arms telling him about this ship he had been a part of okay. and he died okay. from all this stuff and um and, and and this guy, this Italian who wrote about this, like even though he didn't have any sources and, and all that, like he was still taken, like, he still had a good reputation as a good reporter, so they published the story. They published three articles about it in this respectable newspaper. And so it's, it's you know, again, you can take it at face value. Um, no, I mean, here's the thing, like no, and, uh, another thing uh, that kind of, uh, the sailor died, the missionary related to the Harrington, blah, blah, where was I? Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, now, where the testimony of the Silver Star uh, comes in as unknown because I don't know that it ever happened. No record of the attempted rescue is found in the Silver Star's logs, uh, but that might have to do with the fact that the ship was originally named the Santa Juana at the time oh. before being purchased by the Graceline Shipping Company sometime in the 50s. And it's not uncommon for a ship's logs to get lost when it changes hands. Right. It's like um, an apartment complex. FYI, if you owe an apartment complex money, just. Uh, and it's been a few years and they've changed ownership, there's a significant chance that they no longer have record of it. And if they no longer have record of it, it can't be on your credit. Just saying. And I guess, you know, this was all, in, this was in the day before like Carfax for ships. That's right. Um, Ship facts. Now, so some people, there's long been thought um, that uh, the Orang Madan was the victim of some kind of supernatural thing. Some like one of these flaming you know, lights that are often seen in the oceans or whatever. And it was like, did it have something to do with like, was it, was it Bermuda Triangle-esque, even though I don't think it was in the area. Now, so this brings us back to the CIA. Now, some believe uh, intrigue of a decidedly more paranormal stripe may have been at play in the Orang Madon tragedy. C.H. Uh, Mark Jr. of Scottsdale, Arizona, appears to have been one of these. He was the assistant to Alan Dulles, the director of the CIA. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a letter in December of 1959 to a correspondent whose name has been redacted. Um, the letter was released in 2003. I think I said 2005 earlier. It's, it was actually the the letter was released in 2003 under the Freedom of Information Act, uh, and it's not clear who he's writing to, mm-hmm. but he's clearly writing on behalf of Dulles, and he says, "quote." I feel sure that the SS Orang Madan tragedy holds the answer to many of these airplane accidents and unsolved mysteries of the sea, end quote. And he writes this whole letter about oh. the Orang Madan story and taking it completely at face value. Mm-hmm. Like, if you read the letter, there is no question in this guy's mind that it it's a happened. story that it, it absolutely it happened. happened. And this is the CIA right. writing this. Um, uh, Mark concludes uh, the letter by asking his mysterious pen pal, quote, do you think something from the unknown is involved here? Well, I mean, obviously. Quote. We don't know, so yeah. it's unknown. So that, <laughs> in in so many words, is the story of the Orang Madan. So it's just, it's, how do you know? 
How do you know? know? How do you know? There's a lot to argue that it, I mean, there's a lot to argue that it never happened, but there's, there's several kind of compelling things to argue that it did. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the fact that, that several international newspapers of note reported the story as true. And the fact that the CIA, the CIA CIA in the Mm fifties, late fifties were like this. Yeah, this happened. So they may know something they didn't. And it's not hard to imagine though. Of course there's no, prove that if the u.s government was trying to get a hold of this chemical agent that the chinese excuse me the the japanese had surrendered uh over um on this ship that that ship had been completely secret and if the silver star had discovered it they would have been told immediately you don't talk about that yeah at all so i don't know but it's a good story or two um a couple of things Mm -hmm. one uh if they had this this Secret yes. agent. Yes. Whatever. Chemical Secret stuff. agent. Chemical murdering machine. <laughs> um, if they had it, maybe it was not an accident and that it was done on purpose mm. to because the, because the U.S. couldn't have it. And so maybe instead of knowing what was happening, mm. maybe somebody knew and was like, we're not going to let anybody else get this. Maybe the captain knew and... Decided yeah. to sacrifice the ship, or maybe the U.S. knew, and they were like, "We don't want to get in trouble." You know, maybe it wasn't an accident, and somebody did it on purpose. The other thing that I think is perhaps, and this seems more likely the more I think about it, uh, the ship never sank. It never went down. It never was a ghost ship. Mm. Um, it just was reported as such, so that the U.S. could say, "We never got no ship." Ooh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. And maybe it's something the CIA started, which is why they would be so, yeah, this absolutely happened. And maybe it could be this because mm. then nobody would guess that they actually had the ship. I hope they don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, that's interesting. But mind you that the, the, that the CIA, mm-hmm. the, this letter by the C.H. Mark guy, uh, C.H. Mark Jr., was was strictly confidential and not released until 2003. Right. So it wasn't like the story of the Orangwadon was something that the CIA was trying to propagate. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know... Well, but, I mean, if you think about time. it, too, um, depending upon who was getting that letter, if it was someone lower mm-hmm. in the ranks of the CIA, it, it could have been to help spread the story. It could be. It, you know, it could happened. have been. It could have been. I don't know. Um, but the fact that the name of that person was redacted is a pretty good indication that whoever it was was high up. Yeah. Or it could just be so they'd, yeah. but they... Yeah. I mean, but There's knows? no context. Yeah. There could never yeah, be a context. Be. Who knows? Well, and also, you know, if it was somebody higher up, who says that they have to know the truth, too? Yeah. The CIA, especially then, was notorious for keeping things secret from mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. Mm. But it's a good story. It is with, a good story. With a lot of food for thought. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. You're very, very welcome. Very good. I mean, I've, I've heard bits and pieces of the story, but the whole thing together is fascinating. Yeah. And now I want to do more on ghost ships because there's, I did a lot of reasons. I originally started this, my, my topic this week was just going to be a series of ghost ships, but I'm like, they're all so detailed that I can't do just more than I have to do. I have, well, I can only do one at a time. (laughs) One at a time. You can do all of them. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Well, thank you. Yes. And thank you everyone for listening again to this fantastical tale. (laughs) Cool <laughs> intentions. Yes, this uh, the sea shanty. 
Right. Well, we didn't sing it, so it's not a secret. We did sing a lot. We sing I mean, a we do. Bit. We do sing a lot. <laughs> do we sing a lot? I, I think do. it's a lot. I sing weird things all the time. You know that about me. <laughs> That's true. Everybody knows that about me at this point. I just make up phrases like salt under your tongue. Yeah. And you'll probably come back and salt under your tongue. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So. And I make weird noises like. That's true too. Ooh, it kind of sounds like Doppler. Or radar. Or Doppler radar. Sonar. Sonar is what I was looking for. Sonar is what This is my echolocation device. When I'm in a room, I'm like, yeah. There's my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, go to ghoulintentions.com. Yes. Um, you'll find ways to submit your ghost stories. It couldn't be easier. Couldn't be easier for the, you know, the cold open of the large episodes or the mm -hmm, ghost of ghouls. Mm -hmm, we mm -hmm, go through. Mm -hmm. But anywhere from four to six, usually. Those submissions are so good, too. So Please good. keep them coming. Love them. Love them. And um, merch. I'll, I'll also merch. You can buy t-shirts. Yes. And we'll probably have some new ones soon. And you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Instagram. You can follow us on a Facebook fan page. Yes. And yes. what else? Am I, what am I forgetting? Do I, uh, well, my quote. My, oh, my quote. yeah. Do you have a quote for me today? I do. Well, normally we say the thank yous and the go-tos and the follows. Oh, yeah, and the go-tos and the follows. Yeah, well, while you're looking for your quote, I'll say that. Yeah, so yeah, go go to willintentions.com to like... I said it Yeah, already. all that good stuff. Well, leave us reviews. Oh, if there you, you go. If you like what you hear, and we hope you do. That's right. Because uh, you made it this far. Uh, go give us a review. It really helps us out. Tell your friends. Spread the Tell word. Your mamas. If you get if you get a, a sh one of the lovely lovely shirts, take a picture of yourself wearing it. Put that stuff online. Tag love us. It. We love yes. seeing it. And yeah, keep those submissions coming. Mm -hmm. They're so good. Really enjoy Yeah, I'm the ready. odds are pretty good. We'll use it if you if you pronounce it. Are you ready? I yeah. I did go to know what the title was from. <laughs> for the episode. Oh, that's so true. I feel like I've already kind of won. So I'm not gonna get it. I'm not gonna get two and one. I'm just not. Gonna... You never know. That's, that's not true. Sometimes. Okay. Ready? <laughs> She's my friend because we both know what it's like to have people jealous of us. <laughs> <laughs> not the Hobbit. Okay. No. Um. She's my friend <laughs> because we both know what it's like to have people jealous of us. Is it from? I'm just guessing because uh -huh. there are several films I think it could mm -hmm. be that it that are likely uh, the source. I'm gonna say Mean Girls. No, it's not Sunny. It's Cloudy. No, <laughs> Sunny S O N N Y. Sunny, Sunny and Cher. And Cher is from several things the she name was in moonstruck the name share what i don't think mean girls but share mean girls but sh mean girls but share mm -hmm. uh still magnolia no that's not to fuck that what am i talking about I uh mean you girls just but share. uh the witches of eastwick clueless right, what does share have to do with clueless that's her name Alicia Silverstone's oh, name is Cher. See, you can't just say Cher to a gay man and expect me to think of anybody other than the Cher. Look, so I I'm can thinking say, of like I'm over here thinking of Moonstruck and yeah, Witches of Eastwick. But the other day, I said Barbara Streisand to you, and you were like, "Oh, I don't really listen to her." I d I said it was I didn't say I don't listen to her. I said we were listening. Okay, context. 
God damn it. Context. We were cleaning the house together and 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 um we were listening to 90s hits, like 90s songs. And in the 90s, I didn't listen to a lot of Barbara Streisand yeah. or Celine Dion. We did and have a to duet came on, so I didn't know there was, 90s I didn't know the song. Rock. Yeah, because that I knew. I listened to old rock. And right, 90s. I did too. Not Cher or, or Barbara Streisand or Celine Dion or it was any a of the Celine Dion, Dion, Barbara Streisand and it was duet. Lovely. And he didn't know it. I didn't know it because I hadn't heard it in the 90s. So, how would I know that he wouldn't think Cher was from Clueless? <laughs> well, now you do. Now you do. <laughs> Damn it, and Clueless was one of the ones. If you hadn't said so Cher, good. I would have gotten to Clueless. Yeah. Because I don't remember well, I, was thought, I thought you were on the right track, so I was just trying to help it. It's got to be Cher. Clueless. I mean, like I definitely girls, remember. Clueless, Come EZA. on, that's the Paul Rudd. That's the first thing. Oh, it is. Oh, Okay. Anyway. <laughs> we got distracted. On that moment. Um, on that note. Moment note? No, moment note? On yeah. that momentous note. Remember. It's, uh, oh, shit. Shit. Do it again. Okay. <laughs> Remember. It's, it's okay, okay to sleep, sleep with, with the, the lights, lights on. on.